You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Good morning, everybody. (laughs) All right. Well, my name is Brian. This is Becca, and we are so thankful to be here to be able to share with you today. And uh, this message is going to all of our campuses this morning, which is so much fun. So maybe you're online today. We'll call that our online campus today. Welcome to you. So glad that you could join us. Or maybe you're up in Traverse City. Beck and I were just there last weekend, had a great time with the congregation up there and the campus up there. So welcome to you. Or maybe in Birmingham or Clarkston or right here in Troy. Here's some people from Troy here. All right, or my friends in Orion, where we live, up near Orion, Oxford area, and then, of course, our Clinton Township campus, and our Brazilian campus is with us as well today, so it's wonderful to all come together to have this unifying moment where one message goes across all of our campuses, and today, Beck and I are going to be talking to you about what I believe is one of the most important things, and that's prayer. Uh, I believe and we believe in a God who speaks today, believe in a God who who works and moves in our lives. And so we're going to talk to you and and share this conversation with you about how we speak with God. It's amazing how there's power in in prayer. And um, prayer is critical. We're starting this brand new series today called Get Going. This is about a four-week series where we're really looking at what it means to share our faith to share the good news of Jesus in our lives, and we thought it would just be so important to start with prayer, because we should begin with prayer in everything, right? Whether we go out and share our faith, as we go out to our workplaces, whatever it might be, we should always start with prayer. And so today what we wanna do is talk about the power of prayer, but then also we wanna give you a challenge. And uh, today I really wanna lay out a challenge before the church That wouldn't just be an individual challenge, but it would be one that we would all do together across all of our campuses. And so we'll do that in just a moment. The passage of scripture that we want to turn to is out of Luke's gospel, chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. And here, Jesus tells a story in order to communicate two really important things. Two things that he really wants every believer, every follower of him to embrace. And so he tells this story. He says, listen, there's this widow who was really in need of many things. In fact, people were treating her unfairly. And so this widow would keep going to this judge and asking for help. And the judge was this person who didn't really care for people and he didn't fear God. But this widow kept going back, continually went back to the judge, pleading the judge, crying out to the judge that this judge would help. And finally, the judge helped this widow. And Jesus relates this story to our story, that as we cry out to the Lord, unlike the judge, our God is a God who cares for every single person. And so how much more will our God hear our prayers than this lousy judge in the story? And so he's encouraging us to to pray, to bring our requests before the Lord, to be people of prayer. And in verse 1, Luke tells us the reason why Jesus told this story. I I love when when the writer of of the different books of the Bible, how they, when they tell us exactly why things are being said, and in this case, this is what Luke does. And in verse 1, it says this, one day, Jesus told his disciples a story 
to show that they should always pray and never give up. Did you catch those two pillars there? This is why Jesus is telling the story, so that we would know to always pray and never give up. And so that's what we wanna talk about today, these two pillars, this call to always pray and this call to never give up. But we wanna answer the question, why? Why does Jesus tell us to always pray? What's the importance of it, why? And then we also wanna talk about why should we never give up? So we're gonna start by talking about how we're called to always pray. We just wanna give you some reasons why we believe uh, Jesus calls us to always turn first to prayer. Well, good morning, Kensington Church. It's always a privilege to be able to share out of the word of God today. And this passage is particularly exciting, like Brian mentioned, because prayer is so pivotal to our faith journey. And um, there are so many reasons to pray. We could spend all day talking about it, but we just wanna highlight a few of them. And, and I really believe that Jesus calls us to pray, to always pray because we need the help. We really do need the help. You know, we live in this can-do world. This can-do where, it, you know, we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and actually to ask for help, it's kind of a sign of weakness. And so we wanna learn to do things on our own, take pride in our work all by ourselves. And, and so it's countercultural counter counter to think of asking for help and, and asking God for help. Oh my goodness, if I have to ask somebody for help or ask the Lord for help, maybe I'm admitting that I don't know what I'm doing or that somebody else might have a better way or a different way that might be uncomfortable for me. And so it's not natural for us to always ask for help. I read some um, very interesting statistics about asking for help. So listen to this, three out of four Americans, surveys say that three out of four Americans will not ask for help unless they get to a point where they absolutely need it. So they're completely stuck. 75% of the people in this room, of us, will not ask for help unless there's no other option. Now that speaks to how independent and how we all wanna kind of pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, right? And of that, of those statistics, 13% of people will still never ask for help, even if they're gonna fail. So they'd rather fail, 13% of the people in this room and tuning in would rather fail than ask for help. Now that says something. 27% of Americans will, only 27% will ask for help when they're doing something new. That startled me, because I thought, why, why will, why are we reinventing the wheel? If you're doing something that you've never done before, doesn't it make sense? I would have thought it would have been like 80% of people ask for help when doing something new. Nope, only 27%, one in four people. Is uh, YouTubing it asking for help? I don't know, I don't know, we'll have to look Does into that, that statistic. Very into the statistics yeah. that you found? YouTube, oh. I know. We've <laughs> saved a lot of money with YouTube. And fixing things in our house. Though, it is interesting, though, how more people will probably YouTube than actually ask a human being yeah. to their face. Because that speaks to your point. Because, yeah. well, if I YouTube it, no one will know. And then I'll just, yes. you know, have built a rocking horse, you know, in my basement. And people yeah. thought I did it on my I own. I did it all by all myself. All by myself. I get all the credit. Right? Yeah. Yes. And this, this is the last statistic that actually was very sad to me. 53% of people will fail to achieve a life goal or a dream that they've set out to accomplish because they will not ask for guidance and support. That's half of us. Half of us will not achieve the goals that we set out to in life simply because we won't ask for help. Now translate this into your spiritual life. I don't have the statistics on prayer, 
for people asking the Lord for help, but I, I think it's pretty safe to say that if more than half of us are never gonna ask for help for anything, it's pretty safe to say we're not going to the Lord and asking for help because that's just not the way that we've always done things. But when you think about it, who better is there to ask for help, for guidance, for insight, for patience, for what to say, to how to navigate a different difficult situation? Who better to ask for help than the Lord who has good plans for you, who knows you better than you know yourself, who knows the situation? God is always ready to guide us and direct us if we would ask for help. So I think Jesus calls us to always pray because he knows we need the help. I think he also asks us and encourages us to always pray because he always has something to say. Uh, in our last church, I taught a Bible study and I called it, um, it was a series of different studies, I called it Mining for More. And what it really was is we were going through different books, particularly in the New Testament, and I would do a little bit of a teaching on them, but then what we'd really do is we'd sit with scripture and I taught people, like we learned how to hear the voice of God as we read scripture. So that, you know, Paul says scripture is living and breathing and it's sharper than a double-edged sword. And so if scripture is alive and well, the Lord is speaking to us through his inspired word. And so we need to learn how to hear the voice of God as we read scripture. So we would do, we'd go through all different books um, in the New Testament, but it always, this always happened every single time, usually by the second or third week, whether it was a seasoned believer or somebody who was seeking, I'd always hear somebody make this comment. They would say, I can't believe I heard God speak to me. And my response was always the same. I would always say to them, of course he spoke to you because he's always speaking. We just need to learn how to hear his voice. You see, I think we often think of prayer and use prayer. It's kind of like when we're praying, we like throw up this big Hail Mary prayer and kind of hope that it's gonna be caught you know, like we were all hoping last week, and throw up yeah. the big Hail Mary was, and like, ah! Yes, and that, that was Becca's first sports joke of her lifetime, by the way. So would you laugh at it okay, for but Pete's this is sake? Why. Just laugh at it. This is why. I have never lived in a state where I have cared about a, a sports team. Like, Connecticut didn't have professional sports teams. It is so fun having professional <laughs> sports teams in your state. I even bought a Lions sweatshirt, okay? So I'm, we did. I'm all we did. in. I'm we all did. in as a non-sports person. We're in. We but, got okay, grit. Come got back grit. to me. Come yeah. back to me. All right, but, but prayer, really, we kind of throw up these Hail Marys and say, oh, well, you know, it's kind of a last resort. Maybe God will answer me. But if we're really honest with ourselves, we don't expect him to. We don't expect God to respond to kind of these big audacious prayers that we kind of throw out into the middle of nowhere. But that's not what scripture tells us. Scripture tells us from Genesis to Revelations, it's all about God responding to his people. That's why Jesus came. He came in response that we might know him, that we might know his character, his heart, his good plans, his purposes for the world. That's what scripture tells us, that God responds to his people. There's a great story um, in 1 Kings, and it's about uh, a story of a, a, a prophet named Elijah. And Elijah was a great man. He saw God do incredible things in his life. But at this particular point in, in 1 Kings 19, Elijah is very discouraged. And he's downtrodden, and he's very fearful. He's fearful for his life, and he runs away from where he's supposed to be. And he actually prays that God would just end his life. 
he's like, I'm done. I, I'm giving up. Lord, just, just do something. Like, I can't, I don't want to live anymore. And God responds. And God meets Elijah in his discouragement and in his frustration. And he says, what are you doing? You can't run from your problems, Elijah. And you don't need to because I am with you. And then God encourages him and he gives him the next steps for his life. And you know why I love that God spoke to Elijah in a whisper? It's because to hear a whisper, you have to be really close. And God is so close to us. God is so close to you. And he's ready to speak, and he's ready to guide, and he's ready to direct you. And I don't know if you've been taught that God like uses fear tactics and he's angry. That's wrong. God might correct you. He often corrects me and challenges me, but God is my comfort. God speaks to us with a voice of comfort and encouragement, and he's always ready to speak if we would just listen. So we need the help. God is ready to speak with us. And then I'll just say this. God, look, Jesus wants us to pray and always pray because prayer, it points us in the right direction. A couple weeks ago, I was up with the Traverse City ladies and uh, I shared with them, shout out to Traverse City. We love our Traverse City congregation. But I shared this story with them. Back in November of 1979, 257 people died in a plane crash. It was considered the worst civil, disa civil disaster in uh, New Zealand history. And what had happened was right before takeoff, everything was business as normal. The coordinates were in, everything was good, flight checked out. Right before takeoff, unbeknownst to the pilots, the navigation center in New Zealand, the air navigation center, just adjusted the coordinates for the destination very slightly. Made these tiny little adjustments. And throughout the course of the flight, the flight ended up going 31 miles off course and it crashed into the side of Mount Erebus that volcanic mountain, and 257 people died simply because two small coordinates were changed. You know, this world that we live in, it's very broken. It's not the way that it should be. And this misdirected world, it rubs off on us and it weighs on us and it pushes us in a different direction. It influences the way that we think the plans that we make, the way that we talk and communicate. The world rubs off on us, and we may have set out with the best of intentions. We may have set out on our journey with the Lord, and we had set those coordinates, but unbeknownst to us, as the world is rubbing off on us, we are getting off course. And Jesus calls us to pray, always pray, because prayer recalibrates us. Prayer realigns us once again with the heart of God, with the plans and the purposes of God. It sets us in the direction that he wants us to go. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right, but in the end it leads to destruction. And prayer points us back in the direction that we're supposed to go. Another reason that Jesus calls us to always pray is because prayer is powerful and it's effective. Yeah. I love this about prayer. In James, in the book of James, it actually says this, that the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. You know, prayer isn't just um, 
something on a task list that we should accomplish so that we can say, yes, we're Christian people. <laughs> we, I did my prayers today. Uh, prayer is also not just something that we text to people so that they know that we love them, praying for you. Right? No, prayer is an actual thing where we get to meet with the living God and speak to him and hear from him. Prayer is powerful and it's effective. And um, prayer is powerful for one reason is this, is because God is listening. Isn't that amazing that we have a God who, who's listening to us? If this were the only reason to pray, it would be a good reason that we would personally meet with the Lord through our prayer life. Uh, if God is listening and God has something to say to us, then it's personally for our benefit to be people of prayer, to hear from him, to be strengthened by him. But the second reason why prayer is so powerful and effective is this, is that not only is God listening, but God is, is able to respond. Yeah. Now, this is partly the mystery of faith, because how many of you in the room have prayed for something and God responded? How many of you, just by a show of hands, have you experienced that in all of our campuses? Yeah, we have. Now, how many of you have prayed and, and it seems like God hasn't responded? Some of the same hands, right? And, and more hands going up, right? And this is part of the mystery of faith is that we pray and sometimes we see God respond and other times we have to wait and we have to keep praying. We're gonna talk more about this, but Prayer is powerful because we have a God that hears our prayers, but he also responds. I love the story in, in Acts chapter 12. It's a story of Peter, who was one of the disciples of Jesus. And Peter, at this time, Jesus has, has died and he's risen from the dead and the spirit of God falls on his people. And Peter's out there sharing about the good news of the resurrected Jesus. And there are people who don't like that. And so they take Peter and they imprison him. And so he's in prison now. And I love this story because it says this in Acts 12, it says this, but while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Yeah. I love that. It doesn't say, but while Peter was in prison, the church just went on with their life knowing that there was no hope for Peter any longer. Right? No, it says no, but even though Peter was in this prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. And we know the story, if you read it on in Acts 12, is that an angel of the Lord comes and frees Peter from prison. Now, as I was thinking about this, I, I want to make a, a declaration, if I can, about Kensington Church. I would like for us to become the biggest butt church out there. Did you catch that? It says, but while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Let's be the biggest butt church there is. Let's be the big, at least in Metro Detroit, in Traverse City, let's be the biggest butt church on the planet. But their children fell into addiction, but the church earnestly prayed for them. Yeah. But this next generation was learning all kinds of things from the, from the world, but the church earnestly prayed for them. But they didn't know where provision was gonna come from, but the church got together and they earnestly prayed. I don't know, I'm looking around, I'm seeing a big butt right now, okay? This is who we are, this is who we are. We are gonna be people, yeah. <laughs> I'm seeing heads shaking and all kinds of stuff, but I just figured this was a Kensington kind of yeah, thing Yeah, not every church would be okay with that statement, that's what I love about Kensington. Yeah, this is great, this is great. We'll or, be a big butt church. Yeah, or I'll be asked to hand in my resignation, it's been a great run, it's been a great six months, but... Um, let's be a church that prays. 
that really prays, even when it looks yeah. like there's no way around it, yeah. that we turn to prayer. And that, that, that leads us to the next part of what Jesus says. He says, always pray, and then he says, never give up. And um, the thing that we want to talk about here is that persistency pays off. It actually does in all aspects of life. Yeah. If you were to get up to try to, to hit a fastball and the first time you missed and you said, well, I'm never going to do this, well, then you're right. You're never going to do it. But if you stayed in there and you kept learning, persistency pays off. I bet your first day of work, you probably weren't as good as the 10th day of work. Persistency pays off. And the same is true in our spiritual lives. So we wanted to share a few reasons why Jesus calls us to never give up. Yeah, I recently started working out New Year's resolution, and um, that's kind of a joke in and of itself. If you're a comedian, there's material there for you. Just come and watch me work out. Um, it's kicking my butt. But um, one of the things that Coach always says is if it's not challenging you, it's not changing you. And I think that's the mm. same with prayer, and that's why Jesus says never give up. Persistency in prayer pays off because it matures our relationship with the Lord. I don't think it's a huge surprise to anybody that healthy relationships are usually those where they have healthy communication. Good communication is necessary for any healthy relationship. If you don't have good communication with somebody or within a relationship, you don't have a great relationship with them. And this doesn't come naturally to us. It doesn't come naturally in marriage. It doesn't come naturally with parents and children. We have to learn these kind of things. And Brian and I will actually be talking about this this Saturday night. The church is welcome to come to it. Uh, we're hosting a date night. It's gonna be at the Troy campus this Saturday, but we're gonna talk a lot about communication because healthy communication communication, it does not come naturally to us. In fact, a lot of our communication has become very transactional and very informational rather than relational, learning how to relate with one another in our hearts. And some of us are better at this than others, um, but overall, we need the help. And we learned in my first point that 50% of us are not going to ask for help. And so turn to the person next to you and say, go get some help. Go get some help. Go get some help, Go Becca. get some help. <laughs> <laughs> but, but really, how, how can we say we have a good relationship with the Lord if we're never talking with him? If we're never communicating with him? Let's start talking to God. Start talking to God and you will experience your relationship with the Lord actually growing and actually maturing. And, and let's not overcomplicate this, okay? I know... Sometimes when people are asked to pray, it's like you think you need to adopt the old English dictionary or something, and we have to like start using thys and thous. It, um, it reminds me of that scene from Meet the Parents, if you guys have ever seen that movie. It's hysterical. Look it up on, look on the, the clip on YouTube afterwards, but where like the son-in-law Greg gets asked to pray for dinner, and all of a sudden he like pulls out like all these bizarre words like, oh, gracious God. Please bless thine smorgasbord of, you know, he goes into this whole ridiculous prayer. I think we overcomplicate it. Just talk to God. Just talk to him. He's listening. He wants to speak with you. And so prayer, um, persistency in prayer matures our relationship with the Lord, but it also engages our faith. I think Jesus calls us to keep going because it engages our faith. You know, when we encounter situations where we really have to persistently and fervently go after prayer and meet with the Lord, it, it's like it shifts our faith life from neutral to drive. It's like where the rubber meets the road and all of a sudden we begin, our faith life it, it begins to be stretched 
and strengthened in a way that would not have happened if we did not have to persist in prayer. You know, when we're praying, it's like we're saying to the Lord, Lord, I'm not seeing you show up. I'm not seeing the breakthrough that I really want, but I'm gonna trust you anyway. I'm gonna trust your heart, I'm gonna trust your character. I'm reminded of a story in Genesis 25, and it's a life of one of the kind of like founding faith fathers. His name is Isaac. And there's this beautiful little sentence, very simple in, in Genesis 25, and it says this. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. Hmm, nice. He prayed, and God answered him. But what you don't actually see, and when you read a few of the different chapters and you start doing the math on things, what you realize is that Isaac prayed, and 20 years later, his wife conceived. 20 years of persevering in prayer. Take that in for a minute. I know there are some people who are listening to this message who know what I'm talking about. You know what perseverance in prayer is. Maybe God has met you after 20 years or maybe you are still persevering after decades. We just prayed with somebody who had been praying for something for 40 years and was still trusting God for it. That's a long time to persevere in prayer. And some of us get overwhelmed at the thought of having to pray for that long. But I am so encouraged by Isaac's story because I know he trusted God because he didn't go about and like manipulate his own situation to get a child like his father did. And he didn't end up deceiving people and trying to finagle things to work in his favor like his son Jacob would do. No, it says he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and God met him in his prayer. He trusted God no matter the timing, even when it didn't look like God was doing anything for him. And I know it's, like, it's human nature, right, to become impatient and to wanna give up, but there is a blessing that happens in your life when you persist in prayer. Mm. I think the, the last reason we wanna share why we believe Jesus says never give up is this, is because breakthrough could be around the corner. Yep. Breakthrough could be around the corner. Keep going, keep mm -hmm. going with that prayer. I, I was remembering the story of Joshua. Joshua was bringing the Israelites into the promised land, and uh, the first place that they go to was to Jericho. And Joshua brings the army there, and, and the Canaanites have Jericho, and the Lord gives them very specific instructions on what to do in order to take Jericho. And so uh, the Lord tells him, here's what I want you to do, is for six straight days, I want you to march around Jericho just one time. And I want you to put the band members up first, because the band members are always known as the strongest Preach. people in the whole crowd, right? Yeah, it's always the marching band that you think of, you know, the warriors going first, right? And so you do that, and then on the seventh day, what you're gonna do is you're gonna march around seven times, and then the walls of the city are gonna fall down. And so we know the story. The story goes that they do that and the walls fall down and they take Jericho. Amazing story. But now what I want you to do is to imagine you don't know the end of the story and you're one of the members of the army and you're receiving these directions from Joshua. So just imagine right now that I'm Joshua, okay? And I'm like, hey, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go into the city. Tomorrow, get up early. We're gonna march around the city. Great, yeah, yeah, let's do it. That's gonna be amazing. Something amazing's gonna happen. We get up in the morning. We put the band out front, right? The piccolo section right out front, right? <laughs> and we go around the city, and guess what? 
nothing happens. Now we're kind of going, okay, maybe, all right, let's see what happens. Joshua's like, same time in the morning, let's wake up again. We wake up, and Joshua's like, hey, here's what we're going to do. Band in the front, we're going to march around the city. Didn't we just do this yesterday, Joshua? All right, maybe he's losing his mind a little bit. We'll go with it. Day three, same thing, nothing. Day four, same thing, nothing. Day five, some of you didn't even get up on day five. You slept in because you're like, listen, Joshua, we already did this four times. Ain't going to happen. Day six, day seven, he's like, all right, here's what we're going to do now. We're going to do it seven times, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then finally, that seventh time, the walls come down. Why do I say this? I say this because this. Maybe in that persevering prayer right now, you're in lap six, and there's just one more lap to go. Would you keep praying? Keep going. Maybe breakthroughs around the corner. Now, let me just try to answer this question, because it's, it's the often asked question. That is, why are some prayers not answered? And um, I guess from a pastor's heart, what I would say to you first is this, is I don't know. Sometimes I think we jump to answers too quickly, um, but I don't, I don't know specifically why that prayer you've had has not been answered. But there are some things that I think we can say into it. Not all of these things will apply to your particular situation. But one thing we can say is this, is that God does answer prayer. Oftentimes he responds with a yes. And by the way, aren't we really good with a yes? <laughs> I guess as human beings, when the Lord says yes to our prayer request, like we, I've never heard anybody say, you know what, Brian, I'm really struggling because the Lord said yes to my prayer request. Right? <laughs> never in the history of the world. But when the Lord says no, that's difficult. And sometimes we get a clear no. And then other times, there's this waiting season, this persevering. Let me just share two things into that. Um, I actually wrote a book called On the Other Side of Yes, and there's a whole chapter on prayer where I cover more um, kind of reasons for this, this season of waiting, if that would be helpful to you. But let me just give you maybe two kind of reasons. Is why does God have us wait in our prayer life sometimes? And the first thing I would say is this, is that maybe God has a better time in mind, a better time. Uh, for us, it's really hard to see that. How, how, how is not now the best time? But maybe there's a better time that that's just has greater significance for the Lord that you wouldn't even know. I remember we, um, we hatched egg, chicken eggs <laughs> yeah, uh, in an incubator, put them in there. There's like seven or eight of them. And I remember our girls would come home every day to check it, and like nothing was happening. Nothing was happening. We knew there was a lot happening, actually. Nora got so frustrated. One day she came home, nothing's happening again. She says, can't we just open it up and crack them open? Right? It makes a lot of sense to, to, to her little mind at that time. But it would have had terrible outcomes, right? We needed to wait we needed to let the Lord do what he was doing, even in the unseen aspects of what was taking place before that shell should crack open. Maybe another reason is this, is that God asks us to wait because maybe God has something far better in mind for us, something even, even better, that, something that we couldn't even imagine or, or think of. Um, I want to encourage you to keep praying. Yeah. Maybe you're in that sixth lap. Maybe you're in the seventh lap right now, and the Lord's timing is coming. You know, just quickly, Becca's going to share just a, a few helpful tools in this space, and then I want to share um, 
a challenge with the church? Yeah, there are three things that have really helped me um, in my prayer life. And the first one that I would encourage you to do is get people around you that will pray for you and that will pray with you. Praying together might not always feel comfortable. Praying with a spouse, praying with a friend, praying with a sibling, praying in your small group, praying out loud for each other, it's kinda has to be something that we maybe learn and grow in our comfort level with, but you want to get people to pray for you. Lean on the faith of your friends. So get those people, and particularly find those people who have been persevering in prayer for years, because those people really will pray for you, and they're gonna go after the things for you. So stand on the faith of your friends. Get those people around you. Ask the Lord to bring those people to you. Secondly, I would say, borrow the words of other people. I know when I went through a season that was very discouraging, I didn't even know how to pray. I didn't even know what to say. And so I got a great prayer devotional called Jesus Listens, and it's just prayers. And every day I would just go through it and I would borrow the words of other people. I know that there's great resources out there, the power of a praying spouse, the power of a praying parent, uh, the circle maker, all sorts of great books, but equip yourself with some tools to help you in this season if you find yourself stuck. And then third, I would say, write prayers down. All throughout the Old Testament, God is constantly reminding his children, write this down, remember this, write this down, remember this, write this, because you will forget, we forget, we are forgetful people. It is amazing how God can say yes and answer our prayers, and yet we still forget. So what I did, actually, and this started for me, a year and a half ago when we got a call from a church called Kensington about candidating for something, I got myself a little bread prayer book and I started writing prayers down in this book and I started praying for people and our family and I asked God to move and I recorded scriptures he would give me in the way that God would show up and answer and it was so exciting to go back and look how God has answered things, so write things down as well. I can remember years ago, a friend of mine asked me this question, just stuck in my mind. They said, Brian, what are you praying your guts out for? Mm. I love that question. Mm. Two things I want to challenge us to pray our guts out for. One, let's pray for renewal in our own lives. Yeah. Let's pray that the Lord would just do a, a great thing within us personally. Um, I'd love for you to receive prayer in this area. Yeah. Every Sunday, we have people up front who are willing to pray with you. Utilize that. Yeah. You might want to come up every single week and receive prayer. Bring your friends up to pray. Um, meet the Lord in that. Or maybe you have prayers that you'd love for us to be praying with you, our staff and elders and those in the church, our prayer teams. We have an email address. We'd love to hear what your prayer requests are so that we can join you. And that is prayernow at kensingtonchurch.org. Please include us. Get the church praying with you. And then secondly, what should we be praying our guts out for? Revival. What I mean by that is this. We should be praying for other people. Yeah. We should be praying our guts out for them. This is why you receive this card on the way in, and it says pray for three. This is the challenge that I want to set before the, the whole church in every single campus. For those of you online, even if you don't have a card, pull out a piece of paper. And I want to challenge all of us for the next three months to pray for three people who don't yet know Jesus. Mm -hmm. And would you pray for them every single day? Pray for three. I'm praying that over these next three months, the Lord might move with power, that our, our, power, our, our prayer might be powerful and effective, yeah. that we might be that um, 
but the church prayed for their friends kind of church and that we might see breakthrough in that. And so I want to encourage you to take that really seriously. Well, friends, we wanted to share a story with you uh, that really kind of just shares about the power of prayer. And so we found a, a wonderful couple who was willing to share their story. Before I get out of bed in the morning, I pray. Sometimes I'll go through the Bible, maybe pray some scriptures. I pray for people um, that come to my mind that the Holy Spirit brings through my day. So Lord, show me how you want me to love people well. Show me everything you want for my day and let me trust you in all of it. We have 10 grandchildren together. We've been very blessed with that. And part of our daily routine, we'll pray for our kids and, our, and their spouses and our grandkids. One of our prayers is that they would all become followers of Jesus, that they um, will accept him as their Lord and Savior and be followers and, and live a, a Christian life. And our prayers have been answered. Our kids are involved in small groups. They're very um, active in their faith. Four of our grandchildren were baptized together. And then just a few months ago, we had three more. So we have seven out of our 10 grandchildren have been baptized. We see God answering and kind of giving us a glimpse of uh, some of those prayers being answered. David and I prayed for our daughters and their friends all along. And one day, one of uh, their friends was having a very difficult time. And she called me on the phone and I said, well, come on over. And I talked with her today and I asked her why she called me. And she said, because I trusted you, you had always loved me and you made me feel safe. And so she said, you kept calling me and, and putting God in my life, teaching me how to love him and know him. And then I worked at a tennis club in the summer and on my break, you would come over to the club and bring your Bible and you did the whole Experiencing God Bible study with me through the whole summer. And then after the, that was over, you said, oh my gosh, what are we gonna do now? And she said, well, I'm in a sorority and would you mind coming and driving to Ann Arbor to come up to my sorority and teach a Bible study with me? So a group of girls, probably 10 or 15 of them would sit on the floor and we were teaching out of the Bible and one of Max Lucado's books on love. I wanted them to know how much God loves them. About 30 years ago, we were at a different church and at the end of our Sunday school classes each Sunday, we would usually hang out a little bit and talk. And one of the women asked a, a group to pray for her son. She said, I just ask you to pray, pray that he would become a believer and a follower of Jesus. And so we did, we prayed, um, we prayed regularly, we prayed uh, patiently over the next several years. Well, over time, um, we kind of drifted apart a little bit. We, we attended, a, we actually we came to Kensington and we started attending Kensington. And shortly after we joined a small group here, and after several times meeting together with this small group, we were sitting at uh, our small group leader's home. And one day, <laughs> one of our, our small group meetings, I was sitting there and I looked across the living room and I realized that the person who was leading our small group, <laughs> he was the person I prayed for 30 years before. And <laughs> that just, you know, just, it's just amazing story. to me. It was almost like a little wink. I, I heard your prayer and I'm gonna do this in a fun way, reveal this to you. So. We're good friends to this day, and we still hang out a lot together, and it's just a way of um, God answering answering my prayer. And I just, it just encouraged me to keep on praying. I just will never forget. You know. Thank you. Oh my gosh! Mm. Thank you. Oh, that's wow. so sweet. That's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> you are true prayer warriors. 
you show a watching world how to love others and also love others behind the scenes through prayer. Your approach to prayer is not only a reason for my deep personal gratitude, but also an instructive example to me and others of a prayer life to strive for. Thank you for loving me and others as Christ tells us to. Love you both, your brother in Christ. Oh, wow. that's that is so amazing. beautiful. Wow. Oh my gosh. Your love and prayers for me had has had a trickle-down effect and is impacting the next generation. It is my prayer that I can be that same mom for my kids and friends that you were for me. Thank you for making an eternal impact on so many. Dear Mimi and Grandpa, thank you for teaching me about Jesus and how important it is to have him in my heart. I also want to thank you for teaching me all those Bible verses. And thank you for the cards that you give me that always make me feel better. I want you to know that your prayers always make me feel loved. Love, Brody. Dear Mimi and Grandpa, thank you for teaching me everything about God. You have always told me to be the best I can be, a kind, loving, and caring person. Thank you for the Bible you gave me, and thank you for trying to get me closer to God and on the right path all of the time. You giving me the Bible has brought me closer to God, so thank you. Love, Jack. Reed, who's the youngest, wrote out all those words in mini print. So this picture is so cute. With this picture, oh, so cute. The crosses on the hill. That's, um, that's, they, that's they do love Jesus and they're on they're the path kids. to that. And yeah. so that's really, really special. He works on his time frame, not ours, yes. which is the way it should be. So sometimes it's not going to be overnight or the next week or the next month, or next year. It may be, you know, years later or may not even be in our lifetime, but that's the way, right. you know, just God wants us to be faithful though. We so. have to trust him with outcomes. I love that we trust him with outcomes and we just learn to trust him more every day, and it's not going to be on our timeline necessarily. Like, look at Paul. That was many, many years yeah. later. But um, we just trust that he's faithful, and we want to be faithful to him. Can you imagine? Can we imagine what the Lord can do? When people actually pray, it's not just the people around us, the people who we're praying for, that it makes a difference in their lives, but it also makes a difference in the people who pray. Can we imagine what the Lord can do if we were to actually do what we've been challenged to do today? And as I was thinking about prayer this past week, I was reminded of a story, actually an uh, Instagram post that I saw years ago. And the person who posted it is a man by the name of Eugene Cho. And he is a, he's the leader of an organization called Bread for the World, in addition to being an author and a speaker. And he actually, in this post, he talks about his mom, and he talks about prayer. And this is what he actually wrote. When I think about my mother, he says, she's ordinary. Nothing spectacular or extraordinary per se in the eyes of the world. She hasn't started a company or a blog, doesn't have an Instagram account, and therefore isn't an influencer and no viral TikTok videos, probably a lot like our parents. And she grew up with many challenges. She wasn't able to go to college. She immigrated in hopes of providing a better opportunity for her kids. She went through personal pain. She worked at a grocery store, then a small deli, and then a coffee shop, and she did what she had to do. And when I think about how she was able to find the strength and fortitude to do what she needed to do, I think of this picture. And he continues to write, saying, A couple of years ago, I stopped by my parents' home without letting them know. 
and my dad wasn't home, and all I could hear was someone speaking loudly upstairs. And as I walked up the stairs, I saw her, my mother, her head literally buried in the Bible on her knees and praying earnestly and passionately to God. Not a performance or a show, just humbly coming before her Lord and Savior. And while I felt a little awkward quietly observing her without her knowing, I was just so moved and humbled by her prayers. From my father, from my wife and I, our children, for our ministry, for God's will to be done. This is my mom. She's an ordinary person who believes in an extraordinary God. And I stand on her shoulders. And when I think about my life, probably for every single one of us, we can think of people who have prayed for us, people whose shoulders that we stand on. And when I think about my, my life, it's my mom and my grandmother, and I've seen them exactly in the same way, praying like that. And people who have prayed for me, especially those two, all throughout my life growing up, and people who still continue to pray for me today. And I don't know the impact that they're, specifically the impact their prayers have had on my life. But I do know that prayer is powerful, that it absolutely makes a difference. And it has made a difference in my life. And so the question is, whose shoulders do we stand on? Their prayers, people praying for us every single day, consistently and faithfully, have brought us to the place where we are today. And what would it look like for us to begin to do that or continue to do that for others? And that's what these cards are all about, that we would be people who come alongside, who come under and elevate the people around us up. And so this is what we want to do, is that we want to provide time, the next 30 to 60 seconds, for those of us in the room who have these cards and maybe you're at home and you don't have them, but we have a phone, you have a piece of paper, but to write down who are the three people that we are going to commit to praying for. Maybe they're people that we're already praying for and we have for months or maybe years. Maybe it's our children. Maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a neighbor, or maybe it's somebody else that just popped into our mind today. But let's take the next 30 to 60 seconds and write down three people's name that's starting today that we are going to commit to praying for. I'm gonna do that. I wanna invite all of us to do that. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you care about the things, Lord, that are on our hearts, the people in our lives, the things that break our heart, Lord, also break yours. And the three people that we have written down on these cards, the three people, Lord, that we've written down on a piece of paper, names on our phone, Lord, remind us, Lord, to pray for these people every single day, Lord, because we also recognize that others have prayed for us. Some people that we know about, many people that we don't know about, God. And you have heard those prayers and done beautiful things in our lives as a result. And so that we would also be people who do the same for others, recognizing, God, that you hear those prayers, that you will move, that you will answer, but at the same time, Lord, that as we pray, that you will also shift and change something in us as well. It's an extraordinary privilege to be able to talk to the God of the universe in this way. Thank you, Lord, 
that we have the opportunity to do this. Thank you, Jesus. And we pray all these things in your powerful, powerful name. Amen. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.